Now it should work. There you go. Take your copy of God's Word and turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. It's a wonderful time of the year as we go toward Easter. And uh, we want to think this morning as we work up toward Easter Sunday next week a little more about the resurrection. And this morning I want us to think together for a few minutes about the importance of the resurrection, the importance of the resurrection. Now last week, if you uh, watched the message or you were here, we talked about the validity of the resurrection. We talked about how authentic it was and how important it was. And let me just remind you of three things very quickly that we learned last week as we move into this morning's thoughts. Number one, we learned last week of the essentialness of the of the resurrection to the gospel. In other words, we learned last week that without the resurrection, there is no gospel. Without the resurrection, there is no atonement for sin. There's no pardon for sin. And so really, uh, the, the validity of the, of the resurrection is without Jesus coming literally, bodily, out of the grave, uh, there would be no gospel to preach. There would be no victory over death. There would be no victory, no hope, really, for us or anyone. So we are thankful that we learned last week of the, of the essential nature of the resurrection to the gospel and to the validity of the gospel. And then we learned last week that the resurrection of Christ was according to prophecy. It was according to scripture. In other words, in the Old Testament, the resurrection of Christ was foretold. And Jesus himself in the New Testament, when he was talking to his own disciples, he forewarned them that he would die on the cross and rise again the third day. In fact, Matthew 16, 21, listen to what Jesus said. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. So we, we find that it's essential to the gospel and we find that it was prophesied in the fulfillment of scripture. Then finally, um, we discovered last week that the resurrection was verified, if you will, by witnesses, by those who saw Jesus when he arose from the grave. You'll remember there's a whole list of people, and we won't uh, belabor the point on all of them, but you'll remember the women saw Jesus initially. They went there first on that resurrection morning to honor him and to anoint his body and found that he was not there. And then Jesus appeared to some of them in his resurrection body, and then Jesus went to Peter uh, the first of the apostles, and what grace there is in that, we don't have time to talk about it, but Peter, the one who had denied him, Jesus went and lovingly restored him uh, and met with him and, and encouraged him and forgave him, and certainly Peter restored the ministry. And then, of course, the disciples in the upper room, Jesus was seen of above 500 people at one time. Uh, he was seen by James, his half-brother, and then Paul himself said, and me, one uh, born out of time, saw Jesus. Uh, Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, and Paul was saved that day. So we have all these eyewitnesses that, that validate the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, I would sum up last week's message as we move into this week with this, with this observation. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most verifiable event in human history. It is, it is that thing which is authenticated and verified above all else. And listen, Jesus is the only one who's ever come out of the grave. He's the only one who's ever resurrected from the dead. And so the validity of the, of the resurrection of Christ is fully and beyond doubt established. So this morning I want us to think about, about how important it is 
The resurrection is part of our faith, is part of the gospel. In our passage this morning, beginning in verse 12, it really is a continuation from last week. Paul deals with some false teachers. Some false teachers had come into Corinth. Perhaps they were Gnostics. We're not sure exactly who they were. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the fact is, these false teachers had come into the, into the church and had sowed doubt about the resurrection of Christ, about the physical, literal resurrection of Christ. And Paul deals with that in a very interesting way here. In the first part of the passage we're going to read in verses 12 to 19, what Paul does is he says, okay, let's, let's think about it from your perspective. If you deny the physical resurrection of Christ, what's the result of that? What is the end of that? And so he walks them in that false doctrine to its, to its logical conclusion, which is hopelessness which is being lost and, and, and the inability to be saved. And so in this passage, Paul walks them through that thought process. So look at it with me beginning in verse 12. He says, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? In other words, there were people in the church who were teaching that there was no such thing as a physical resurrection. So Paul just begins there. He says, if you, if you deny there's a general ability for a physical resurrection, then we have a problem. And he goes on to talk about that problem. Look at verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. That's the logical conclusion. And then what's the implication of that? Well, look at verse 14. 